seeking the kingdom of God above all else in our lives, right? And that the most important thing in life is that we connect with God and how we, we're talking about this month is mini church month for hope in the world. We wanna be all about our mini church and um, mini church is one of the ways that helps us refocus things back on God. And remember we talked about the three um, A words last week, the triple A's, you guys remember what those were? Anybody, what was the first one? Appreciate. The second one? Absorb. And the third one? Ask. Okay, so I read this verse from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 or something, where Jesus is saying, hey, ask and keep on asking. That he said it's a good thing that we develop a relationship with God where we keep on asking because it proves our dependence on him. And the other thing is, the bottom line is he kind of uh, made note of was God, our Father in heaven, he's a good God. He loves his kids. He wants to give you gifts, but he wants to hear us ask, right? He wants to know how much we want it. And Jesus said this, if, uh, if you, human parents, if you have a child, a son or daughter, and they ask for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? And the answer is no, unless you're Carl, right? And you want to do that. We've talked about that. If they ask for a fish, would you give them a poisonous snake, right? And bite them and stuff. No, of course not, it says, the word says, right? Then it says, how much more so if you want to give good gifts to your kids, think of how good God is and the gifts that he wants to give us. So we better keep on asking, right? So that was a good word. And so speaking of gifts now, my birthday rolled around on uh, Friday, right? So I made 20, 21 again, <laughs> 21 times 2, 42, okay? So I made 21 the second time around. So anyway, um, I got up to preach here on Friday night and they had confetti and they just made a mess of this whole room and it was super fun. But my wife took me out to breakfast that morning, and um, we're talking of gifts now, good gifts. And uh, I walked, we walked over, or we went over to Cinnamon's in Kailua, and I thought we were just meeting our one couple of, of our friends over there. And I go walking in, and it's like 8 in the morning, right, 8.15. So I'm walking through the little courtyard, all of a sudden I hear, surprise! And like 25 of our staff members are all there. And I was like, the first time in life, literally surprised. Because I don't know if any of you guys are like me, but you're hard to surprise. You always catch on. You always find out. So I'm kind of like that. So I'm walking in. Surprise, they're all there. And I'm like, who throws a surprise party at 8 in the morning? You guys really got me. That's good, you know? The staff is like, yeah, you know, and it was cool. And um, then they're like, oh, we got you gifts. We got you super good gifts. And I just thought, man, we were just sharing about gifts and how good it is to get good gifts, right? And so they're like, open your gifts up. So I'm, I'm opening my gifts, and, and I open the box, and I find this one. And I was like, oh, this is a super nice bag. I was thinking, wait, is that something for Kanani too? Like they got her like jewelry or something? I was like, wow, this is cool. What'd you guys get me? And this is what they got me. Charcoal. <laughs> I was like, what? That's, that's mean, right? And they're like, no, 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 just kidding. Open the other one. So I, I dig a little further, right? And what do they get? A snake. <laughs> and I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, right? No, I'm like, and then they, they go, remember your sermon? Ha, 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 ha. We gave you a coal and we gave you a snake. And I'm just like, oh, you better give me something good right now or your, your jobs are on the line. But so they gave me something cool. But um, I wanted just to share that because the sermon today, what we're talking about is the fact that we need godly relationships. The, the, the title is Iron Sharpens Iron. And I love my staff because my staff is not just my coworkers or employees or whatever, but they literally are my friends. Like we literally share life together. And the importance of this iron sharpens iron thing and the fact that we need godly relationships is for you to have a relationship with God, God actually specifically designed that to have a relationship with him, he would do it through us having a relationship with other people where God is in them, other godly relationships. That Christianity nowhere in the scripture is it just a solo single, just me and my relationship with God. It's all about other people. Jesus came down. He goes, where's my 12 boys that are going to hang out with me and my disciples? This is how we go through life in the Christian walk together. You have other people that build into your life. And so here's the verse in Proverbs 27, 17 that we're talking about today is, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And every time I read scripture, I always try to really listen and look and learn and not just take stuff at face value because it says something but I'm always thinking like this. I'm like, does iron really sharpen iron in the real world, right? Beyond, like, I understand what it's trying to say in scripture, but does iron really sharpen iron? And some people are like, no, it can't. You have to have a harder metal to sharpen a softer metal. And I was like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look this thing up, right? So Google, here I come. Because I'm a guy that, when I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read the word of God, 
I don't always just want to take stuff at face value or whatever. I want to dig and I want to get into it myself and own it. When, when you listen to sermons, I hope that your whole Christian walk isn't just based on what I tell you once a week. I really hope that because that would be a sorry state of mind. I mean, if you're basing your entire walk with God on one sermon you hear a week, you're blowing it. You're missing out. See, the, the walk of faith with Jesus Christ is, yes, we listen to sermons and we get fed and all that, but did you know it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That you ought to be going home and looking in your Bibles and going, what did Pastor Carl say? Better check if he's telling the truth, right? I better see what's up. And that we would not just have church on the weekend. We have mini church throughout the week to get us pumped again. But that every single one of us would have a personal relationship with God. Where we're personally seeking and digging into his word and praying and going, God, what are you really trying to say to me? So I was digging into this verse and I'm going, is it really real? Like um, iron sharpening iron. And I looked up some stuff and it, all the way back to 1500 BC, the Iron Age. Like, I went into research mode. You guys see where I'm going with it? I went, well, does iron really sharpen? Does, does iron really sharpen iron? And basically, they said this. Think about it in, in this way. Is that when they discovered iron and they could make weapons and swords out of iron, is there was a process that went into sharpening these kind of swords. And what they actually did was they would get iron and they would pound it into something that looks like it's a sword or whatever. But what they needed to do was to heat it up and then they needed to hammer on it with something else made of iron. It's a different tool. An iron hammer was hammering on the iron saw. In essence, they're basically saying iron does sharpen iron. Iron is necessary. And then I started thinking about the butchers that do the whole with the, the knives, right? They steal on steel and they sharpen up their knives. You guys ever seen that? I just think that's so cool. Like on Top Chef or whatever, the guys come out and they're just like with their knives and they're just like, and I'm like, whoa, that's super cool. Or any of you guys are like the dad in the family, your job is cutting the, carving the Thanksgiving turkey? Anybody, that's your job in here? Anybody, there's like five people. You guys not eat turkey or what? <laughs> you, you all have vegetarians, you eat tofurkey or whatever. That, to- <laughs> but you know that sharpening deal and what it is essentially is the same metal. It's a steel knife being sharpened by a steel knife sharpener. Or, or sometimes you use a steel file to sharpen steel. So it actually is true that, that things of the same substance and material actually can sharpen each other. And what the word is trying to tell us here today is that sometimes in our life we need other people who are just like us, just people, same substance. We're all human beings. But there's times in our lives when we get dulled down, when our spiritual walk gets dulled down, when we're losing hope, we're losing purpose or interest in life or whatever, and we need someone else to come along and to sharpen us. And on the other side of it, the other side of the coin is that there's times that God wants to put us in people's lives for the sake of us being the sharpener and sharpening someone else. And so we put a lot of influence on mini church. I'm going to tell you this. I told you this last week. We don't think mini church is the only tool in the whole world that brings people into godly relationships. But mini church is an amazing tool that we found in our church that keeps people in a relationship where they're sharpening one another's Christian walk and keeping people in the family of God and in a, in a relationship with God. Um, however you do it, the bottom line is what we're talking about here today, we need godly relationships. Can anybody say amen to that? You need other people that are going to keep you sharp. I want to show you guys a video really quickly that would model this. It's talking about mini church, but ultimately the bigger concept we're talking about today is People need to have people in their life that can support them and love them through the toughest circumstances. Why don't you guys take a look at this video and see what I'm talking about. I'm Jermaine OT, and this is my wife, Felicia. And we've been coming here to uh, Hope Chapel for about a year now. Since we've been coming here, the first couple of months, uh, we've been invited to a mini church by Vic and Anne-Marie. We were invited by different groups of people. I said maybe two or three other people. But then when I seen Vic, it was just like, he was just very welcoming. You know what I'm saying? He just like, you know, he just looked at you like, oh, you know, welcome. You know, he just felt very welcoming. And what I loved about Anne-Marie, she's very blunt. And that's how I am. So that's like, this is the main church that we have to go to. And so about, I would say two months into, two or three months into, Going to main church, um, we hit a bump in the road in our marriage, and this is the kind that end marriages. And, and I'm the one who messed up. I I went outside my marriage, and it took me about a week. It was it was hard pressed on my heart, 
took me about a week to tell my husband and I let him know and he just like forgave me right away. He's always been a forgiving husband. I think the next week after I told my husband, we went to mini church and God just kept pressing on my heart, you know, tell him, let him know what happened, you know, let him know what happened. Like, I mean, I don't want these people looking at me like, you know, adultery. This is what you did. But I had to, and I felt comfortable to, because they've always welcomed us. They didn't never, they have never judged us. I never felt judged at mini church. And as soon as they, I, I let them know, all of this, I'm spot on. Vic said, let's pray. Let's get together. Let's lay our hands on them as a mini church and let's pray for them. That just did wonders for me. Just knowing they forgave me on the spot. I know I, I repented and asked God for forgiveness, but just seeing that that outwardly, you know, they're not like, oh, mm, I can't get too close to her. Let me keep my husband away from her. No, we forgive you. And they just accepted me with, with open arms and that really blessed me. And he just did wonders. During that, during that whole time, you know, the accountability was there. The encouragement was there. The accountability to where Vic and Marie, they would call and check on us. And Marie would check on my wife to make sure that, hey, are you good for today? Is every How is everything going? And that accountability was definitely helpful. The prayers were helpful. Vic checked with me many a times and said, hey, you know, we're praying for you. You know, are you good? Uh, you know, is the family good? Is there anything that we can do to, uh, to help out, help the family out? So that's where the accountability and the encouragement was awesome. If you're looking for that that close knit, you know that that tightness of of, of community, like Pastor uh, Pastor Carl always speaks about the community. That's where you're gonna get it. At. That's where you're gonna find it at in the mini church. My marriage is restored. Uh, we're coming along with that, and and I just encourage anybody who's you know going through right now. Yeah, it, because again, it gets it, sometimes we, we get lost in, uh, in 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 a church setting. And one thing that many church uh, provides is that intimate setting to say, "Hey, you know what, brother? You know, you know, I've been through this. I'm going through this right now. I'm there for you. You know, I'm praying with you. I'm I'm there for you. And if there's anything that I can help you with, you know, whether it be your marriage, you know, maybe you need some help with finances, maybe something going on at work." Whatever the case may be, then Mini Church is an awesome, awesome place for that that type of atmosphere, that family atmosphere to help uh, one another. Is that real or what? I mean, it's one thing to even be able to go to your mini church and, and share something like that. It's a whole nother thing to be open enough to share it with the rest of the church and video. And um, man, I got respect for Jermaine and Felicia just for them to be able to do that. But how, how valuable is it for us to be able to have people to go to where we can let that stuff out? Because we all go through stuff, maybe not that same stuff, but we're going through stuff. And it's so nice just to know that there's other people that can help you bear the burden and carry the load. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yesterday I was talking to a good friend of ours and we were just hanging out and I, I knew she was carrying a bunch of burdens and she had stuff going on in her life. And my wife talked to her and she's my good friend too. And I just, I just kind of asked her, hey, how's everything? What's going on? In other words, like, it's cool. Unload your burden on me. Like I'm here for you as well. And we all need that in our lives just to be able to go, can somebody help me? Can somebody help carry this stuff with me? I, I need God, and I'm trying to find him on my own, but God created us so that we would have each other to push one another towards him. Amen? And so we need that in our lives. And so today we're, we're going to be talking about just what that's all about in this iron sharpens iron, because if you take a look at your notes, the first thing I wrote down in there in the notes is that people need people. You guys agree with that? In life, it's a common um, need. It's a common value for all men, not just Christians, but just people need people. If we don't have people, life hurts. We get, we get lonely. We get isolated. We start doing weird things, don't we? You know, weird things happen when you isolate yourself. You take yourself out of fellowship. We start doing things like this. Let me show the video. We start creating friends out of volleyballs, right? Look at the next one. We start talking to these volleyballs, these made-up friends. And anybody see the movie Castaway? 
It's my attempt at humor right there. I hope you guys enjoy that right there. But we go weird, don't we? We, we isolate ourselves and we think, no, I'm just going to go deal with this problem on my own. I got this thing. I'm going to go do this. And we start getting into places where we fall into depression. We fall into loneliness. We, we do just do weird things. And the bottom line is people need people. But I want to take it a step further. And I want you to write this down. Because beyond people needing people, I think this. People need godly people because people need God. Okay? People need people. Yes, that's true. But people need godly people because ultimately people need God. And we need to be godly people to those around us. And we need to have godly people speaking into our lives. Now, I don't want you to, to, to misthink what I'm going to preach here today is that we should only have godly relationships and we should only be friends with Christians and anybody else is bad and they're out there in the world. That is definitely not what I'm saying because we believe in the Great Commission here that says, take your hope into the world, right? Take Jesus Christ into those relationships, make those relationships, turn those people into godly people so that they can know the joy of life that we have as well. I'm going to preach a whole sermon on that in two weeks. But today, it's the importance of connecting to God's family. We've talked about that one. It's that people need godly people. Here's what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. How many of you guys have had enough with associating with fools in your life? And we probably are going to still go on and just have friends that are foolish and whatnot. But you hang out too much with the wrong kind of people, they're going to lead you into the wrong kind of actions and lead in the wrong kind of a lifestyle. Amen? It's just basic. It's who you hang out with. So you got to make sure that you're making a priority to hang out with people that are speaking godly wisdom and, and leading you into the things of, of righteousness in your life and helping you make right decisions versus hanging out with all of those kind of people. There's a great verse in um, a story in Exodus chapter 17 back in the Old Testament, old school here. Exodus 17 verses 8 through 13. Now this is Moses as he led uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt. You guys remember the story? He went to the Pharaoh. Hey, um, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, right? And so uh, Moses just starts hammering on him with all the plagues, right? The 10 plagues. And finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, just get out of here. Go, 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 right? And so all of the Israelites, rah, the whole nation, the thousands, thousands, all like go headed towards the promised land. And what happens is Pharaoh still gets mad and chases him, the whole Red Sea deal. You, know, you guys know the story, right? So Moses is leading God's people around in the wilderness, and he's trying to get to the promised land. And they come up against the army of Amalek. And this is where we pick up the story. Um, God's enemies were kind of after his people because he, they thought that they're, oh, they're taking over our territory. It says in verse 8, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors out of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua. Joshua was like his protege, like his apprentice. He said, Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. The staff of God represented God's presence with them at this time. In other words, this was the staff that parted the Red Sea. This is the staff that brought water from the rock. This is the staff that, that they threw down and it turned into snakes and all. It, was, it represented the power and the presence of God with them. And, he, and Moses says, go out tomorrow. We're going to fight these guys and God's going to be with us. I'm going to hold up his staff. God's in control. We're going we're gonna to beat these guys. Verse 10 says, Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. So he's sitting. Then they stood on each side of Moses while he was holding the staff, and they held up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Isn't that a neat story? Here's the thing is, is Moses acting on behalf of God, doing God's purposes, plans in his life. Moses going, I'm called to this. I know what I got to do. The interesting thing I think is that as he began to grow weak, he couldn't even do what God had called him to do. But God specifically purposed and designed that God's other people would come along and help him to carry out the plans in his life. That's, that's an awesome thing in talking about this iron sharpens iron. I think that in our lives, most of the time, we can only accomplish God's plans for us through other people. You guys believe that? Because think about that in your own life. Oh, I've made myself a, a self-made man and I've got to where I am and I'm in the ministry or I'm this or wherever you're at in life. Like, oh, I did that on my own. Did you really? 
Think about all the people that were there behind you. I can think of my wife that was my support through the whole time, just getting me to where I am today and where I'm going to go, is I know she's in my life. Remember, I talked to you guys last week about Pastor Tom, my support, my Samwise Gamgee, right, of the Hobbit world or whatever. But think of all the different people. I think back to my, my parents. My mom always reminds me, right? She writes it in my birthday cards and everything. She goes, I was praying for so long before you were born that God would move in your life and do all of this. And it's because of the prayers that were laid down before I was even brought into this world that build me up, the Aaron and hers of our life that are holding our hands up so that we can do what God's called us to do, but we couldn't get there alone because God puts people in our lives to support us. Amen? Isn't that a good word? I love that. But we need these kind of people in our lives. And we at this church believe so strongly in mini church because that's what it is. It's building the godly relationships for God wants to do something in your life, in my life, but he specifically designed this that we would do life together. Remember, even Jesus came down and he had the 12 that were always with him everywhere that he went. He modeled it to us. And that it's all about relationships. If you read everywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, everything happens through relationships. And so we got to make sure that we're putting a priority on getting into godly relationships. We went so far as to do this. We used to have a prayer and healing service every single week in this church. And the whole church was invited, and some nights it would be big, some nights it would be small, whatever. But we were like going, hey, everybody's welcome. Come to this prayer and healing service. We loved it. We're getting into the things of God, practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, learning about that. And then somewhere along the line, we said, you know what? That's good. That's a priority. But we don't want anything to compete with people finding godly people and building godly relationships. So instead of a midweek large service, we're going to maybe only do that thing once a month because what's more important is people finding godly people doing life together than just another church service. You guys get what I'm saying? Not that I'm writing off that I'm, I'm discrediting the prayer and healing or whatever, but I know that there's a lot of people that can just go to service after service, never get connected, never had that godly support to, to do what God has called them to do in their lives, and all they're doing is taking in a lot of information, and they're just church groupies. You guys get what I'm saying? It's not that we're throwing that stuff away or the value of that, but we want to be a church that says everything happens through relationships. I can go and sit in a service and walk out, and that's the extent, and maybe some of it went in, maybe it didn't. But when I go to mini church and I'm focusing on building relationships, people are making sure that the word of God's getting into me and into my life and they're there to support me and they're not going to let me down. I could disappear, be a face in the crowd in a service, but when I go to mini church, people know me and that's a good thing and you know other people. So I'm just trying to let you guys know that, I, that we got to remember here, people is always more important than program and we don't want to program ourselves to death. We want to make sure there's a value on people. But let's talk about three things this morning. If you look in your notes, I, I try to get creative again with the A's. So I don't know how I did that. I'm really not that smart, but the Holy Spirit is good. And so um, we came up with three more A words, the triple A's of uh, iron sharpens iron, just so they would help you remember what it is to be iron in someone's life, sharpening them and to have someone else sharpen you. So let's look at the first one, acceptance. When it comes to iron sharpening iron, godly relationships, I think that we got to see that we, there's a need in every one of us for acceptance, that many church should be a place of acceptance. Look at Matthew 6, 14. Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, in other words, you accept them, then your heavenly Father will forgive you or accept you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's kind of heavy if you think about that, isn't it? It's basically not saying it's good enough for me to live my life as a Christian and that's good and, you know, hopefully I'll be nice to other people. God actually is saying right here that if your relationship with other people is messed up, your relationship with God is messed up. That's a big deal, right? And we just think, no, you know what, I'll just deal with people, whatever, but as long as I'm good with God, God's saying one of the indicators that you have a relationship with me is that you can have good relationship with other people. You can forgive people. You can accept people, all people, even the irritating ones, right? That's what he's literally saying here. That's a big deal when you read that. You're just going, well, I'm supposed to forgive. I know that. But God goes, no, if your relationship with them is messed up, your relationship with me is messed up. Can't forgive them. I can't forgive you. Oh, my gosh. That's a heavy verse right there. And one of the things you heard in that video that Felicia mentioned was, you know what? I went to mini church, and there was no judging. People didn't judge me. They loved me. And there's obviously consequences to sin. She's got to clean up all that and get a hold of that and strengthen the marriage. And she's got to deal with the hurts that are there. But on the, same, on the same hand, the mini church didn't come along and pour salt in the wound and make it worse. That, that they said mini church was a place of no judging. 
that we can actually make other people feel welcome. You know what they say about people and about first impressions is that uh, people will base their whole judgment and opinion and impression of you within the first two minutes of meeting you. Did you guys know that? That first impressions are a big deal. That it's all in how we conduct ourselves as to whether people are going to feel welcome around us and, and loved and welcomed into the family of God and into our lives or not in those first two minutes. It's that important. That's why even this morning, early service, like we better like have a smile on our face, right? It's like we better be away. We better brush our teeth. We better make sure we're, I'm okay, you know, because first two minutes make an impression. And we got to be aware of, am I the kind of person that is creating a welcoming environment and, and helping to lead people into a relationship with God? How am I doing? Right? Number one is, is where, where do I go? Is it a welcoming place? But do I make other people feel welcome? I love that um, Felicia said in that thing, we were invited to mini church by several different people, and that's really neat. But for some reason, Vic just stuck out. Vic Vanderkoy just came to us, and he just loved us, and he made us feel welcome and warm. And you know what that makes me think of is, I want to be like Vic. Whatever he did to make those people feel like we had our pick of mini churches, but for some reason, Vic stood out. Don't you guys want to be like Vic, that, that, that people would talk that way about you? One of the people in this church that I always look to, that I always want to be more like welcoming and making people feel comfortable and hospitable and friendly is, and I hope you guys are going to agree with me, is our women's pastor, Tammy Tierney. Yeah? How many, how many of you guys would agree that Tammy just has a gift for just melting whatever grumpiness you have of that day, whatever irritability or whatever, or shyness. I've seen her just go to people, you know, she connects women all the time, and people are like, oh, I'm, I'm new here or whatever, and I just put her right with Tammy, and Tammy's like, I love you, and you, you literally felt like she's known you forever, and she's just warm, and she just, I've seen her just turn, turn that frown upside down. I've seen that literally happen to people. They just come in, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden they meet Tammy, and they're like, yee, right? I want to be like Tammy. You know, I'm bragging on Tammy because she models this so well, because Vic modeled it so well that that, that couple, Jermaine and Felicia, said, no, that's the mini church we're going to go to. But here's a question in our lives is, what kind of a first impression do people get of you and I when we meet them? Are we creating that welcoming, comfortable atmosphere around us that is saying, these people need something. I've got Jesus, but am I even showing Jesus to them? We've got to be, be thinking proactively. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Isn't that good? It's saying, hey, you're God's kids. Act like it. You're God's kids, you know, just like my kids, you know, like uh, people look at our kids and they're like, oh, your son, he totally looks like um, your wife. He totally looks like Kanani. I'm like, yeah, totally. Oh, and your daughter, oh, she, I totally see her, you and her right now. And, oh, the little one looks like you and looks like your dad. And people are always making those things. But when people look at us, because they go, oh man, you look like Jesus. Hey, you look like your father in heaven because of your tenderhearted mercy, because of your humility, because of your welcoming spirit, because of your comfortable presence around people. Man, you look like Jesus. Don't you want people to say that about you? Hey, you look like your heavenly father. That's awesome because God forgave us, so we want to forgive other people. So we want to make other people feel comfortable, accept them. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, Paul writes, and he says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. You know, it says in other versions, be all things to all men so that by any means necessary, some would be saved, right? And so do we carry that around in our lives? Are we trying to really say, oh, that guy's feeling weak. I'm going to come down to their level, find common ground, share with them, relate to them, because I want them to have Jesus, and I want to come at the angle that they need. And this guy over here, he's really loud. No, I'm going to try to make myself be like that, because I have Jesus, and I want them to see Jesus, and I want to give it to them in the way that they understand. You guys get what I'm saying? Sometimes we've got to be careful, because sometimes as Christians, we, we take it to different weird extremes when we're trying to be Jesus to people, and... Sometimes we get a little bit weird as Christians, don't we? Or you've seen the weirdness. Maybe it's you. If it's you, you don't have to admit it, but you can just like point to the guy and it goes, hey, man, he's a weirdo. But um, sometimes we take our Christianity, and here's what I mean by weird. Sometimes we want to be super, ultra, bold, hyper, spiritual, legalistic Christian, and we come at people with just the, you know, here's what I'm talking about. Like you go and you're in the office or whatever, and, and someone's like, oh, where did I put my stapler? Oh, here it is. And you just like slide your chair over, 
Praise God. Hallelujah. You found your stapler. Let's pray about that right now, brother. And they're just like, get away from me, you weirdo, right? And sometimes we want to be so bold with our Christianity. And don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you to not be bold. But Paul is saying, become all things to all people so that they feel comfortable. Don't be some religious nut and zealot out there and condemning them or just giving the too many praise the Lord hallelujahs to them that they're just like, whoa, take it easy. I don't ever want to hang out with you again, you know? Or we go the other way sometimes to the, end, to the, the side of compromise so that we fit in so much that we're at the party or something and we're like, well, I want these people to see that I'm a Christian, but I'm normal. So yeah, pass that over here. Oh, cross some lines right there, right? And I'm making a joke out of this, but I'm saying sometimes is people can't see our Christianity at all because we think we're trying to fit in so well, we fit in too well, amen? And so there's extremes. There's what I'm, I'm saying is don't be weird. Don't go so far on the side that you don't even, people don't even know you're a Christian. You're just totally fitting in too much. And don't go the other way why well, so that they can be repelled by your just outspoken, crazy, too wild Christianity, and they're just going, that guy's a religious nut. What Paul is saying here is, make people feel comfortable. Hey, when people are weak, Paul goes, I come down at their level in weakness. And when people are over here and they're up and they're whatever, then I come up to them and where they're at. And I try to fit in because it's more important not for me to stand up and be myself and what I look like and be Pastor Carl or whatever. What's more important is that those people need Jesus. Amen? The title isn't as important. You're less important. What they need has got to be what's most important. And there's so many times in my life when I hang out, I'm trying to like witness the people or just plant seeds, right? And introduce them to Jesus. I don't want them to know I'm a pastor. And some people will say, oh, that's weird. That's, that's lame. You should let them know who you are so you can give them Jesus. But here's a problem. Sometimes I hang out with people and I go surfing with non-Christian friends or whatever and, uh, or my friends from church, oh, I'm gonna bring my friends, they're not saved or whatever, I want them to meet you. Okay, okay. I don't let them know I'm a pastor. I just hang out with them. I just be me, I be positive. I, I talk about the stuff that they wanna talk about. I, I may say something about my Christianity or my faith or, or whatever. I'm not talking about the things they're talking about or using the words they talk about, but I'm, I'm trying to shine my light in a way that's gonna be receptive to them so I can slowly build a relationship with them. Because you know what happens the minute I say I'm a pastor? Instantly, the guy I'm hanging out was like, oh, 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 wow, this guy's a pastor. Oh, I better, oh, oh, sorry for my language, man. Oh, oh." and then they don't want to hang out with me because they don't know what to say because they're like, dude, this guy is like some goody-goody Christian person or whatever, and I'm just bad, and I'm just going to sit over here. And and you know what it does? It actually hurts my chances of relating to them because they feel like so unworthy. You guys get what I'm saying? So there's times when I just, I don't tell anybody I'm a pastor, but I keep giving them the love of Jesus. I don't compromise my faith one ounce, but I'm not going to go in there and be weird. Don't be a weird Christian. Make people feel comfortable. Did I make my point? <laughs> make people feel comfortable. Just love on them. Um, and then the, here's the, the next A word we got here is accountability. Accountability, iron sharpens iron, why we need mini church, why we need God relationships is, when I say the word accountability, how many of you kind of feel like you cringe a little bit because it sounds like a negative thing? Does anybody like, you need accountability in your life. You're like, ah, Basically, what that says, it sounds like to me is, I got to answer to someone, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound a little bit negative? It like, sounds like, hey, you need to have a Christian accountability. And you're like, oh, man, someone's going to be looking at my whole life and cr- criticizing me and critiquing me and grading on me and my faith and all of this stuff. But really, the word accountability, it's not just a negative term. There's times for that when someone's slipping and you got to come in their life and go, hey, man, you, you're kind of moving away from God. Let's get back on track over here. And you do all things in love, as the Bible says, right? There is that kind of accountability. But here's what the word accountability has to do with. It's being responsible to someone. It's being loyal to someone. It's being honest with someone. It's being liable to someone. And here's what it really means is be committed to godly relationships. Be committed to other Christians around you in this life. It's not all the scolding accountability. It's just saying, I'm accountable, I'm liable, I'm responsible to bringing out God's best in your life because I love you. And it's not all about scolding. It's about, I'm gonna come along and I'm gonna honor you, like John Bevere talked about. I'm committed to building you up, to valuing you, to encouraging you, to forgiving you, not judging you. I'm committed in every area. And if you get out of line, I'm committed to, in love, gently helping put you back on track. But it's basically saying, we all need to have people in our lives that are committed to us for the long haul, amen? They go through your highs with you, but also go through your lows with you. And we need to be that kind of 
people as well. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. The word companionship basically means this, to keep company with, to stay connected to. To be a companion, and we're talking about this word accountability, being committed to people is what we always say about mini church, it's doing life together. You don't just go to church together with other people. You go through life with them. And when they're hurting and you need to, you need to receive that 3 a.m. phone call because someone's marriage just fell apart or something bad just happened, you're there to pick up that phone and to listen and let them vent and to pray and to love on them. And it goes outside of the church setting, the, the mini church and the church, and you're actually getting into people's lives because you're committed to them. We need that stuff. We, we definitely need that. Um, in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, Jesus says, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. What that's basically saying is when people are committed to one another, they get together in the name of, of the Lord, and they're doing life together, God's presence is right there. When godly people get together, God shows up. Amen? It's plain and simple. He says it right here. You get together in my name. And so we got to make it a priority in our lives to be real with one another, to be honest with one another, to be encouraging, to take the time to value people. You know, they always say that thing is like, if you thought a good thought about someone, just tell them right there. Don't wait till later. Just tell them. Just build people up. The other day in our staff meeting, we took the time. We're practicing honor. We're practicing from a staff level. If we can't be friends, how can we expect the congregation to be friends and to be building godly relationships? So we did an, a little exercise. We got like 25 people in our staff meeting every week. It's kind of like our big mini church time. And um, this week I just said, let's go around one by one and let's start with one person here. And the rest of us, let's just speak honor and thanks and respect and why we like this person, why we love them, what we see in their lives. Because how many of us know that when we don't surround us with people like that, we tend to not think too highly of ourselves. And we tend to think like, well, here's my gifts right here. And it takes other godly people coming in and go, no, you have this gift, this gift, this gift, this gift. And it, it builds something in you. So we did this. We went around the room. And we started with Trevor. And everybody just started thanking Trevor. Trevor, thank you for your heart behind worship. Thank you for, for growing in your maturity. And here's what we see in you. And, you know, in like two hours' time, we only got through four people. Because it was such an amazing time to just lavish on these people that we love and we thank and we respect the fact that we're committed to you. Here's what we see in you. Here's what we love in you. Here's what we value in you. And there was tears, man. There was tears from those of us sharing stuff about those people. There was tears on those of us that were receiving the things of those people. But it proved this point is we need committed people in our lives building us up, confronting us when we need it, challenging us, encouraging us. People need godly people. Amen? And so we need to be those kind of people. Whenever two or more gather in his name, he's right there. Um, we need to give that support to people. Here's a quote from the book that we just finished reading as a leadership team, Sun Stand Still. And it talks about praying those audacious prayers of faith. And it says, in order for you to pray that kind of prayers before God, it says, a sun stand still prayer thrives with a team. Here's a quote. It says, Stephen Furtick, he says, you will be empowered when you surround yourself with people who will help to bear the burden of your sun stand still prayers. They'll keep, help, help you keep the vision in sight when there's nothing to see. They'll remind you of God's faithfulness when your own faith is faltering. Anybody ever been there? Your faith is faltering and someone comes along and goes, remember God, remember his promises, remember how good he's been. It says they'll increase the effectiveness of your prayer exponentially by joining their faith with yours. Most Christians find their faith team through the local church, not just the Sunday morning gathering either, but also small groups where you can dig deeper. He just proves the point of mini church. The important thing isn't necessarily where you find the support, but that you do find it. No one's faith can survive for long all alone. We all need commitment and support. In fact, the other day when we were at my, my breakfast surprise party or whatever, uh, we had this waitress and she had to take care of our big group of 25 and she was, she was going the extra mile with a smile on her face and she was like, I don't know, just doing all the extras, right? Frank's getting refills of Diet Coke at eight in the morning and 
Rob McWilliams is on his 47th cup of coffee, you know, and she, she's just going the extra mile. She's doing it with a smile on her face, and she comes in, and she's like, okay, I'm not supposed to split the checks, but you know what? If I give them to you guys all, I know it'll make it easier. Just don't go up at one time because I'm not supposed to do it. So she's just, like, taking care of us and loving us. I'm just like, wow, this girl's so cool, and the staff starts talking to her, right, because we're about honor. We're about getting the names of those people that are, that are serving us and waiting on our table. They're not just waiters. Those are people, right? So we asked her her name. Oh, my name is this. And we're like, oh, wow. She goes, I've been to your church a few times. I've heard you speak. I was like, oh, wow, cool. And she's like just saying nice things and stuff. And then she goes, yeah, I believe in God too. And actually tomorrow I'm going to go and um, speak, give a public speech, something in, in public just to share about her faith and what God has done in our faith. And we're just like, wow, that's cool. And, and I go, oh, that's kind of nerve wracking, huh? That's kind of scary to go and do that in front of all those people. I go, can we pray for you? And so she's just like, yeah, sure. I just thought, why not, right? We're supposed to be about getting bold and bringing hope to the world. So um, we bow our heads, and I just say a real quick prayer for her. And I'm just, I'm not trying to be like laying hands on her, you know, and thinking that I'm going to be all bold. I know she's a waitress. I don't want to freak her out. So I'm just like kind of being on the down low. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, just help her be with her tomorrow and bless her in your favor. And I opened my eyes, and the staff was just on it. They're all just like, yeah, they're like hands on. They're like, that's right. We're not, we're just going to love on this person. I thought, yeah, that's awesome, right? But, but we said amen. And she's like choked up. She's like crying. She can't even talk. She's like, oh, thank you guys for that. Thank you guys for that. And you know what all that is? That's just us saying, hey, we're committed to you. You love Jesus and you're going to go do some stuff tomorrow. And we don't know you that well. You may have come to church a couple times. We just met you, but we're committed to you. And we're going to have accountability. We're going to bless your life. And we need to get that into our hearts. Amen? That we would just look for any opportunity to show people that we really care and we have love and support. And here's the last A, is authenticity. Authenticity, the word authenticity, you will find this at many church, you'll find this in the family of God, I hope you do. The word means this, to be real, to be credible, believable, valid, accurate, legitimate. Basically, this is the way I see it, this, this authenticity word, is we need people in our lives, I need people in my life, to keep my faith real, to keep my faith authentic, valid, legit, believable, so that I am not just being a lip service Christian, but it's coming from my heart and it's in my actions and I'm living it. I need people in my life to call me on stuff, to sharpen me, to keep me real. I want to have a legitimate faith, don't you? And so this authenticity thing isn't just about like, oh, be a real person. It's, it's based on, are you a real Christian? Are you actually someone that has a true faith in God? Am I an authentic believer? Because I need people to sharpen me up to not let me get away with just speaking Christianese and talking the good talk. But I need to make sure I got people in my life that are going, no, let's dig deep, Carl. Are you really there? And they challenge me, and I want to be like them, and they're building into my life. Um, the, The best way that we can do this to push God's best on one another, you know what the standard is? The standard is not just going to many church and letting people speak good opinions and advice to you. The standard has got to be the word of God. Amen. Amen? That's the only place where we get the advice and the opinions and all of that. Because sometimes we go to mini church, and I hate to say it, but I've been in mini churches like this. I've been the one leading the mini church, and this happens. Oh, it's a, how's everybody's week? Praise reports. And oh, what do you need to pray about? And what's God doing in your life? And everybody shares and everything. 8.30 rolls around. We never open the, the word of God. We never drop scriptures. Oh, that's a big mistake right there. Because all of the great discussion, the talk, and the love that we're talking about, if it's not based on God's word, which is the ultimate standard, then all it is is a bunch of really good, nice opinions. Amen? Amen. And so we got to be careful. I'm not, I'm not trying to be the scolder, but I've been guilty of this myself, is that if we're trying to create real and authentic walks of faith in our midst with other people, we better make sure that the scripture is the ultimate standard. And what we read in the Gospels is Jesus and his example here on earth of life to live. Jesus better be my example. The word of God better be my example. The rest of the people in my mini church better be basing all that they're saying to me off of the word of God. Because here's what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I know when I get together with my other Christian friends that they're doing this. They're helping to teach me. They're helping me show me what's wrong. They're correcting me, preparing me, and equipping me. I'm learning by their example. But what I know is the ultimate source of where they're getting all that from is it's got to be in the Word of God. It's not just about opinions. I'm going to say this right now, and I hope you guys take this to heart. 
Mini church is not just about fellowship. Mini church can never just be about fellowship. If we are not talking about the word of God that was preached on the weekend or what we're reading in our word that week, then we're just a bunch of really nice people giving good advice and opinions to one another. Amen? Amen. It's got to be about Jesus. And so some of us, maybe we need to go back to mini church this week and go, guys, we're starting with the word of God this week. We're starting by taking out our notes right now and digging into the scriptures that we're given because God has got to be the standard. Because why? Because I want to be an authentic Christian, right? I don't want to just be showing it. I want to be living it. I want to be knowing it. No shallowness here. I want to be in the deep end of the pool. We need to be authentic friends. We need to have authentic friends. We need to be authentic Christians, but we also need to be authentic in our relationships with one another. Romans 12, 9, it talks about this, that it's, you know, it's not just about authentic as a Christian, but be an authentic friend. Romans 12, 9 and 10 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. The other day when I was on Facebook on my birthday, I just got all of these happy birthday texts and, you know, messages and all that. And I love it. I'm just like, I feel good. I feel loved. And, and I, I wanted to take the time. I don't want to just like their comment, but I want to actually thank them. So right back, thank you. Thank you for wishing me a happy birthday because it's, it's a deeper relationship than just like, a, oh, someone posted something and I just looked at it or I just liked it. And I started thinking of all these names. I got, na- I got birthday wishes from a bunch of you guys, different people. And I started looking and I'm going, wow, these are cool. And I, not- I noticed some of the friends I barely talk to. They're just, they're simply happy birthday friends. You know, we all got those happy birthday friends that you don't talk to them all year, but you get the happy birthday once a year. You guys know what I'm talking about? And we're like that too. I'm like that. There's people, I know they're on my Facebook. I got a thousand friends or whatever. And I was like, hey, happy birthday. You know, like, remember I said that last year? And that's like all I ever talked to them, right? And there's people like that. But on the other hand, I was looking at some of the names on there and writing thank yous. And every time I looked on a name, I'm thinking, of memories. Oh, I remember the time that, that I had to jumpstart that guy's car. Or I remember the good meal that we shared at that one restaurant that one time. Or, oh, these guys are so cool. They always watch my kids. Or, or this. I remember like, oh, praying for this person and all this. And all the memories come flooding back. And the real friends are the ones that go beyond happy birthday friends. Amen? The ones that you know that they're saying happy birthday, but there's history and there's stuff behind that. And so we're not just called to be authentic Christians. We're called to be beyond birthday friends. Amen? The kind that that you get into people's lives with, that you're not just being the acquaintance, but you're actually building on relationships, that you have memories, that you have strengths, you have things that they've bettered your life because they walked through your life. Don't you want to be the kind of friend that whoever's path you cross, their life is better because you walk through their their life? That this is what the Word of God is saying. Don't pretend to love other people. Really love them. Jermaine spoke about this in the video. This is the community that Pastor Carl's always talking about. This is the family of God that we read about in the early church in the book of Acts where they had everything in common. They shared everything. Be real friends. Many church is not just doing church together. It's really doing life together. I want to show you guys one last picture and tell you just a quick story. Um, there's a, this picture of this guy named Christopher McCandless. Do we have that picture? Here he is. Anybody ever, do you ever see this movie? You guys know what I'm talking about here? It's a movie called Into the Wild. Did anybody see that one, catch that one? Um, it's a movie about this guy right here. Um, Christopher McCandless was a guy, that, uh, American guy, grew up in, in America, went to, uh, let me get the facts straight, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. And he graduated from college, and he basically was going, I'm looking for the meaning of life. He got out of college. He gave away all of the remaining. Someone donated to him thousands of dollars to go to law school, and he basically just gave it to some charity and said, nope, never mind law school. Here, you just go be blessed. I need to go find God and find life and find experience and adventure and see what this life is really all about. I need to find like the meaning of life. And so he went off, and basically what he did was he hitchhiked his way up into the Alaskan wilderness. Then he went out just to live off the line. He barely had any supplies. He just like read the books about like what berries to eat in nature and how to catch animals and how to do the thing. And just him just going, I need to experience what life is really all about. God, show me what everything's all about. And so he went off and, and, and lost himself in the Alaskan wilderness. He comes across this, um, this empty, abandoned bus that was out there somehow got out there that they were using as like a hunting blind and he's basically living out of that and just living off of the land and about four months go by no sign of him no one had heard anything and some hunters came along and they found his remains 
he had passed away, basically died of starvation. Some people speculate maybe he ate some bad berries or something, but, but they said no, he basically just died of starvation. His remains weighed like 67 pounds. It looked like he's, he had been uh, deceased for about two weeks or something like that. And so it's this, this sad story, this guy looking for the meaning of life and looking for happiness and what life is all about. And as he was on his deathbed, they found a bunch of books and they found a few of the last things that he, like his last words, basically. And they found on one page of a, a novel he was reading or something, he wrote these, these last words. He knew he was on his way down and he was, they found him in his sleeping bag, you know. And this is the words that he wrote. Happiness only real when shared. Happiness is only real when shared. And here's a guy that went looking for the meaning of life. What's life all about? What's the bigger experience? Let me get away from everybody, separate, isolate myself, go seek God, spend time with nature, see what really is the meaning of life. And the conclusion of this guy's life as he died alone, happiness is only real when it's shared, shared with other people. And that's basically the, the sermon in a nutshell today is not just people need people, but remember what I said earlier, people need godly people because people need God. And we need to make sure that we have this in our lives. It could be through mini church. We believe that's a main one, but we need to make sure that we are surrounding ourselves with people that as iron sharpens iron, we're going to sharpen one another. Is that a good word this morning? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we um, thank you for the fact that you've given us an amazing family of God around us, Lord, in the, the Christians that we have in our lives. And Lord, I would, um, I would pray and ask, Lord, if we are not connected, Lord, that we would make it a priority to get connected. Lord, whether it be through mini church or just through developing good relationships, Lord, but we need to be surrounded with other godly people, people that can build into our lives, that are committed to us, that love us, that make us feel comfortable and accept us. Don't judge us. People that love us for who we are and that their goal is to make us into better people. But Lord, on the other, on the other side of it is that we would be those kind of people. Lord, there's people in this world that are out there that are not connected. And Lord, we need to be the type of people like Vic, like Tammy, that we just love on them and welcome them in to your family and to your presence. Lord, that we would have people that we could do life together with, Lord, outside of mini church, Lord, that it would lead to us having the kind of relationships where I, I see it all the time, Lord, people come together in mini church, meet each other, they end up getting married and, and having families, Lord. So there's people that become lifelong friends and they're the lifeline when people are hurting and going through stuff and they, they're the ones that give the hospital visits and go to the, the weddings and the funerals and the kind, kind of people that are built into our lives that are there with us when our, our children are born, that, that are there w- with us when our finances fall apart, that they come in, they, they lend us money, that they coach us or they help us. Lord, we all need people like that. And we need to be people like that, Father. I pray that this sermon would would strike home in our hearts today, Lord, that we need the iron sharpens iron type of relationships in our life that you've designed us for, Lord. You didn't design us to go through life alone, but to go through life together with you and with other people that are committed to you.